Hi, I'm Jordan Laurel, and welcome to my show where we make the human experience magical through mental health, mindset, and manifestation. My story is one of radical transformation and rebirth. From depressed, disempowered, and dependent to flourishing within an incredible life I've created, this podcast is me sharing my process of overcoming and creating a magical human experience to help support you as you do the same. Tune in every Monday to feel empowered through stories, wisdom, and lots of super practical tips. Because I am proof, you can change your entire life and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to the Magical Human Experience Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. I hope you guys had a great weekend, Halloween weekend. I was so sad. I haven't participated in many Halloweens, um, as some of you guys might know, especially if you've been following along for a while. I had a very different, strict religious upbringing. And so there's a lot of things I didn't experience until my mid to late 20s, like even alcohol um, and dancing. And yeah, it was a lot more to come on that in actually a separate podcast that I'm very excited about to be bringing to you guys. But um, I've, I've enjoyed participating in Halloween a little bit over the last few years. It's just kind of, it's fun to dress up, tap into your inner child. Um, and I was kind of hoping to be able to swing it, but just with how crazy things have been, I was not this year, but I enjoyed watching everybody and all my friends getting dressed up and going to, I guess, Circo Loco was a big thing happening in New York. So it was fun, fun being a bystander, but I am actually in New York recording another podcast episode that I'm excited for you guys to hear soon on aesthetic treatments. Yeah, more to come on that soon, but that's my Halloween plans. But today's podcast is not too far off. I'm very excited to have Dr. Paul Vin, who is a longevity doctor on the podcast. He was so kind and ended up coming to an event I hosted in New York in early October with a good friend of mine and public hotels and we tried to have it be very focused on inner and outer wellness as we know that both are important for helping us show up our best and therefore create a magical human experience. And he ended up coming and giving peptide shots out for energy, for brain clarity and cognition, for immunity. And I felt a difference from I got the energy one because as I've mentioned, I've been really struggling with my energy levels here since uh, getting back to the East Coast. And I'm sure a lot of it is related to just my immune system. Um, I mean, coming from being in LA where I'm like walking on the beach and driving places (laughs) versus walking down the streets in New York and like in and out of the subway system, there's just way more exposure to bacteria and germs. So I, that I think is part of it. My immune system has just been like shell-shocked and adjusting. Also, I'm sure just my sleep and exercise and eating have played a big part. They have not been what they were when I was, you know, in my own apartment, cooking for myself, working out five days a week, all of that um, in my own bed that I had been in for the last year and a half. You know, those changes take a toll on us. But I ended up going and getting an IV drip, which is actually going to be the magic of the week. And I'm going to get to that in a second. But I just, when I went in for this IV drip and he was explaining what it did, we had such a great conversation and I was learning so much from him. I thought it would make for such a great conversation on the podcast, just giving you guys tips and hacks. Because I know a lot of you are similar to me in that you are busy and we're doing the most and we want to enjoy life and live. Like I am not going to eat clean and never drink wine again just to have my energy levels be fantastic. Like it's just not going to happen. It's not practical. It's not fun for me. I am going to have my cheeseburger here and there and my wine and a night out once in a while and, you know, just enjoy living. And it's for me, how do I balance it all and how do I find those areas where I can maybe not really cut corners, but just be extremely efficient or strategic. And I feel like things like supplementation and IV drips and optimizing your sleep, knowing what kind of exercise does what. Cold showers. I actually just started getting into cold showers because of this conversation with Dr. Paulvin. I had had a couple of friends recommending it before and I was like, eh, like obviously it doesn't sound fun. And why would I do that? But I finally, after this conversation, was convinced to try it. And I have taken three in the last week and it gets better. I promise you, it actually does get better. And I actually have been feeling such a big difference. I am 
happy and euphoric for at least 20 minutes after the shower and I feel pretty high vibe like it noticeably has impacted my mood for hours after the shower so I am a fan I've also felt just a little bit more resilient from it which is one of the other benefits that you can get from doing doing hard things that are meant to help you in the long run so it's like not just about torturing yourself and being masochistic but you know doing challenging things that will build your resilience levels to help you be just a stronger more resilient person so the hard things or the stress affect you much less in the moment so you're battling getting back on your feet less and less and I definitely have been feeling that a bit with the cold showers obviously not very far into it so I'll keep you guys posted but so far just how I felt for like the few hours after it was a noticeable improvement so cold shower fan over here or soon to be cold shower fan I can't believe I'm saying this I really did not think I would ever get into cold showers but that was it's just a great simple way that you can just help yourself (laughs) and it has short and long-term benefits and that's kind of what I wanted to focus on in this conversation with Dr. Paulvin how give me some hacks give me some tips give me some things we can do to just really support ourselves and still feeling great while also enjoying living life so that's kind of what this conversation is about I learned a lot about melatonin and (laughs) sleeping and yeah, it was just a really hormone health. It was a really great conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you get a lot of just practical little takeaways that you can use to help support you feeling better when we feel good. And when we are more in our power, which comes from feeling good, we create so much better. We show up better for ourselves, for the people we care about, for our purposes. And it's just, yeah, win, win, win. Quickly before diving in though, I did want to do this week's magic as I mentioned and that is IV drips, especially methylene blue. So I did this twice now with Dr. Paulvin and I noticed a significant increase in energy and mood for at least a day or two after and then it kind of like fades but I've just overall felt like I've kind of gotten my battery recharged a bit here. Um, IV drips, he explains like how long they last in the episode and such but I just, if you need a little bit of a jump start, you are kind of on the struggle bus, highly recommend looking into, we did NAD as well as methylene blue and both of them really help with mood, they help with energy, they recharge your cells mitochondria, which are apparently the battery packs of the cells, which I learned from Dr. Paulvin, so I just wanted to pass that along if you are just, yeah, needing a pick-me-up. I think for me, that's what doing these IV drips over the last month did. I ended up doing two and definitely felt a difference. And I feel like it just kind of got me out of that little bit of a struggle bus funk that I was in energy wise. And I'm very grateful and just, yeah, highly recommend looking into them. Make sure you're going to a practice that you trust, though, a doctor that you trust. Um, If you're in New York, you should definitely head to Dr. Paulvin. He has two practices in New York City. His team is fantastic. I received amazing attention and care. They are clean. They are professional. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. Um, But if you're not in New York, make sure wherever you do go, you do your research. Make sure it is not just a med spa that purchased stuff anywhere. Uh, I've heard stories. So you really want to make sure you're going to a reputable source for where you are getting any kind of peptide or IV drip. But we go into peptides and IV drips a little bit more in the episode. So I'm going to let us go ahead and jump into that. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Paulvin. Thanks for having me. Glad to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to dive into today's topic because I know I've been kind of complaining to you and I've just shared a bit online, like my energy levels were horrible in September and just was, you know, really struggling on the struggle bus. I came to you, I got, well, you came to my event that I hosted with Bex and gave peptide shots, which I'm excited to get into later. Um, But then I came in for an IV drip and you've given some great advice. So I am just excited to kind of have you on to share with my audience just some things that they can do if they're also struggling with energy levels and maybe even a little bit we can go into kind of brain fog because I know you're you're just an expert on all of this stuff. Uh, Maybe you can even dive into quickly here who you are, what you do, how you got into it. Sure, Um, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, I've been a a doctor for over 20 years. I kind of was more traditional for the first couple of years, two or three years. Then I started experiencing headaches on my own and realized the traditional stuff just 
didn't work and had more side effects than it was helping me. So I looked into things like acupuncture and, and meditation. I'm like, wow, this stuff actually works. And I feel better than I did on all the prescription stuff. And then I was doing a lot of sports medicine and pain. And now this alternative stuff works. And then I just been going down the rabbit hole since then. Um, so I, and I found a lot of times that some of the alternative things will work better than traditional with less side effects, but you can mix and match when you need to. Um, yeah, so I, I, I right now, uh, I do a lot of specialization in really two or three different things. Uh, a lot of patients now who are looking for the anti-aging health optimization, a lot of people call it like the Peter Atia method in terms of just optimizing health and making sure you're never get you're preventing things before you get old. Mm. Um, I also do a lot of sports medicine and I also have about a quarter of my practice now used to be more as I get the patients who unfortunately have seen 22 different doctors with chronic illnesses like Lyme and fibromyalgia and uh, I try to combine all these alternative things that are out there to help give them alternatives that they never had before and help them regain, kind of get their life back. So I, I really treasure those types of patients as well. I love that. I definitely, that's kind of what dove me into, because you kind of do biohacking a little bit, right? I do, yes. I, I have patients who want to, again, optimize their health, yeah. no matter, different using different, uh, different types of treatments. Yeah, tend to also think the same way. Like, I'd rather be preventative, and I'd rather also try to do things that support me without having any negative side effects and a lot of medication does um so yes totally on the same page like if avoidable why not um that's so that's so interesting isn't it funny how like everything kind of ends up stemming from our own struggles and then we dive into stuff and then it's like we got to share it with the world no exactly i think you, with me and even know now that if i find something that's new i'm like okay let me try this on myself first before i tell my patients about it because otherwise you can't explain it and you can't say it with authority. So yeah, but a, a lot of docs and every, in terms of every profession, a lot of it sums from kind of things that happen in their own life. Interesting. Wait, I'm curious to uh, hear some of the recent things that you've been trying on yourself. Let's see, what have we tried? I mean, some of the, between new supplements that are out there, um, I'm going to be trying what's, I just got what's called a vagal nerve stimulator, which works on the vagus nerve, which has gotten a lot of attention. It helps... It's the opposite of your sympathetic, which is your fight or flight. I'm running, getting chased by a tiger. Oh, no, what am I going to do? Yeah. Now this helps you kind of relax. That's why people, a lot of people do cold plunges or they do uh, meditation and breath work because it stimulates that system. But mm. This kind of supercharges that. So I like playing with that, um, playing with a couple of new cool IVs. Um, and then I'm also going to be getting a, a new... Red, I love red light therapy. I think it's incredible. But now there's one that you can put on your head and also inside the nose, which really works on the brain. Oh. So I'm really working from trying to optimize my brain health. So that's kind of the, I mean, there's tons of, there's so many cool new things out there. And some of them are honest, are great. And some of them are just BS. So I like to kind of figure that out before I tell patients about them. I love that. That's how I kind of vibe with like products and anything I'm sharing. It's like, I need to make sure I know I like it before I'm uh, trying to tell people to use it or how to use it. But I would actually love to quickly dive into the vagus nerve for a second here, if you are open to that. Definitely. Um, Cause I, I talk a lot about regulating your nervous system and fight or flight. Uh, I ha I do meditate a lot. I do EFT tapping. Um, that has been a huge way of taking my power back is through learning how to regulate my nervous system and retrain my nervous system to not be stimulated by or reacting to things that are not actually dangerous. They're just perceived threats like uh, social situations uh, or, you know, dating or, you know, it's things that maybe I have had past experiences that have formed how I feel about something or made me afraid or just not having the emotional availability of my parents growing up whatever it might be like there it's it led me to having a lot of fury and anxiety that I didn't actually need to have um so I've done a lot of work learning how to like retrain my brain retrain my nervous system but um what I'd love yeah I guess for you to explain what is this device and how could that how could it be used to better support people who are doing the same thing just trying to be more regulated I guess um how do I, the best way I try to explain it to people because it's kind of new it looks like Everybody, a lot of people now out there know like the little vibrated massage guns, be it their gun or whatever, oh, yeah. the, whatever brand you happen to love. They're all the kind of, this, these, they're varying sizes. Some have little electrodes. They either go on the ear or on the side of the neck where your vagus nerve is. 
and they do some type of stimulation, so most, and they can work on stimulating your vagus nerve and activating it. Because we know a lot of people who have been tested who have everything from gut issues like bloating and, small, and uh, IBS to anxiety, it's because their sympathetic system is overriding their, which is their excitable part of their system and their vagus is kind of just chilling out, not doing the work it should be doing to calming you down. Oh. So this kind of activates it. It's kind of anybody who's done physical therapy has had those little stickies on their back or whatever to kind of get the muscle spasm to calm down. You're doing the same type of thing. You're calming down the nervous system. So you, again, it would a lot of people will do it by itself. A lot of people will combine it with breath work. They combine it with some other, uh, any type of mind techniques. Um, biofeedback, neurofeedback, all these different techniques, and this just augments it. I mean, the, the really would kind of kind of gain uh, its claim to fame now is, A, again, a lot of anxiety patients are using it as part of their treatment, be it with uh, if they're doing um, some type of uh, transcranial stimulation or just for, with their their talk therapy, and unfortunately, it's become really popular with patients with like long COVID. It works really well. Um, so it's kind of where it's come from. But it, it, something again, something that works, very little side effects, and when someone does that, that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, so would you would it be accurate to say that people who are struggling with being in fight or flight too much, their vagus nerve is just not active enough? It could be part of it. It, okay. it could be five percent. It could be ninety-five percent. Okay. I mean, again, obviously, it comes down to gut health. It comes down to neurotransmitters. Uh, it comes down to again your female or male hormones. Mm. Um, but it's definitely a part of it, and patients who do work on it are going to get some relief. Again, it could be a small part, mm -hmm. it could be a huge part, but it's definitely something, again, I love easy and simple to do. Yeah. So. Oh, interesting. I'm excited to check this out. No, they're, yeah, they're, 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 again, they're good. They're not that hardly expensive. Really, huh. no, they're, again, they're pretty simple. Wow. So uh, I actually don't know how gut health ties into nervous system regulation and the vagus nerve. Are you able to kind of maybe explain that a little bit sure so it's kind of a, a snowball or kind of a total like a chain of events so we know that a lot of your neurotransmitter transmitters are which are the brain chemicals like serotonin dopamine uh, acetylcholine all those a lot of them are made partially in the gut and partially are made from your microbiome which are the bacteria in your gut mm. so patients who either don't have enough or are altered so a lot of people who have chronic stress or have a lot of toxins uh, either from chemicals they're exposed to in their cosmetics or their frying pans or eat processed foods every day. It's altered, so we do, when we do things like stool tests, we can see that. Um, so, so that's part one, is that part one is the fact of that the gut's damaged. The second part is the vagus nerve helps control the movement of the gut. So when the vagus nerve's not moving, it, it doesn't move as much as well. So a lot of patients will get bloated, will have increased risk for having gut infections be it candida, which is yeast, be it bacterial infections, be it small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which is has a huge link to a lot of mental issues as well. Mm. Um, so it's kind of a relation that the gut's abnormal to begin with, and if you have problems with your vagus nerve, it amplifies. It's probably the best way to connect all the dots. And, then the, and also the vagus nerve connects, let me take a step back, the vagus nerve not only connects to your gut, but it starts from the brain. So the, And they now know that um, if there's an infection again, your gut again, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or fungus, it kind of uses that as a little train to go into the brain, especially if what's called your blood-brain barrier, which simple answer, it's kind of like that one or two cell layer thick dividing line. So if it's been damaged by toxins or patients have had a concussion, they're fine like soccer and football players unfortunately have damage to it just from the cr chronic mm. repeated uh, head trauma. And then they'll get brain fog, which brings up what you're talking about in, the, in, in your intro. So everything's kind of connected, which is good and bad. <laughs> yeah. um, but it brings us back to, again, that's why we're targeting a lot of these things for patients. Because a lot of patients, unfortunately, you have some type of abnormal gut issues. Also have brain fog, which leads to fatigue and leads to a whole bunch of other issues, depending how well they get a hold of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's all so connected, which can feel overwhelming a little bit too. Yeah. But it's true. The good news is a lot of this is true. Once we figure it out, a lot of it, we can now internalize either just from history or lab stuff, or again, just based on what's going on. So we can treat it pretty quickly if we know what's going on. Mm -hmm. It really comes down to the people being proactive with their health and not just kind of, uh, oh, I'll just worry about it next week or I'm not going to do anything about it. And then things can sometimes snowball out of control a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, so you would probably say that if 
someone is experiencing fatigue or brain fog or bloating or like any of those things, those are probably like early on signs that you should maybe look into because that isn't normal. If it's something that's going on either A, if it's something that's been going on for more than a month, mm-hmm. or B, like I tell people, if it's something that I have, th- I have three levels. If it's a little bit life annoying occasionally, you can kind of wait a couple weeks, a month, like I said. If it's life affecting, probably a little sooner. And if it's life altering where you can't get out of bed or you're just really forgetful, that's when you want to see a doctor or a healthcare provider right away. It depends how much it, it affects you. I mean, again, some people, hey, you get a cold or sometimes you get a stomach bug for a week or two. And yeah, it'll set you back and then you work your way back. So it really just depends on combination of how bad it's affecting you and how serious it is. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess well, I guess that's why I was excited to chat with you and why I've been we've been chatting and I did a peptide, I did an IV drip. I've just been so tired. Um, some of it could be from, and it's actually been getting better the last two weeks. Uh, and uh, one thing that I started doing was drinking more electrolyte water. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if that's something that you recommend for people or why that so seems to be so impactful? It helps for some people, mm-hmm. um, especially a lot of people now who are just not taking the right amount of nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, people are on the go, all like go, go, 20, they're working 25 hours a day, it seems like at this point. Uh, a lot of people now who are working out five or six days a week are not replenishing the way they should be. Mm. People who love doing the sauna. So it's, it's something that's helpful. As long as you're not doing too much of it, it's not going to be harmful. Um, it's also helping replenish uh, the cell itself, which we know people now that people who have um, a lot of fatigue could have issues with their mitochondria, which is the battery part of your cell to begin with and battery part of your body. And also the cell itself is, again, the whole cell itself is going to be what's going to give you energy. So mm-hmm. it, it'll get things moving better. So it's something that's helpful. Don't overdo it because um, you can, can have some side effects. It's a, it's a, it's, it can work for the, in the right time and the right patient. Okay. Okay. Um, so what, I guess, I guess to, to look at it from the perspective of the mitochondria, like what can we do? What are some practical things people can do if they're also struggling with energy and they want to just try some lifestyle changes first and see what helps? Um, what else would you recommend to support that? The main three things and two of the ones that kind of answer every question that you're probably going to ask today. (laughs) Um, we know that patients who do what are called Exercise is important, but mainly specifically what's called zone two exercise, hmm. which means exercise where you're comfortably uncomfortable, meaning that you can have a, a very brief conversation with somebody. You're not totally out of breath. If you're doing that two to three times a week for optimally like 30 minutes a week, that increases your mitochondria and also it's going to help with brain fog. Mm. Um, other things that you can do lifestyle wise are, again, is making sure that you're getting a good sleep rhythm, meaning that you're getting... A, about seven hours of sleep minimum. B, optimally before midnight, you're getting to sleep because that's when you're going to get into your first cycle of REM and deep sleep, which mm-hmm. are important. People who have aura rings or whoops are, are, are aware of those or eight sleep are aware of that data. Uh, other thing you could definitely do, I mentioned cold a couple times already, either taking a cold shower or doing a cold plunge. It's something that you can tolerate. It's something very easy to do. And actually, I mean, something some, some people do is dry brushing. That actually does stimulate the mitochondria to some degree. It's probably the weakest of things I mentioned. But some people are like, there's no way I'm going even in a cold shower or doing, any, or doing some of the other stuff. I don't have time. So you try to find the basic stuff for some people. But all those things can help as are, are good starters. That's so interesting. I had a friend on my podcast a couple, of, I guess it was like a month and a half ago now, and she and I were talking about like our wellness rituals that are important to us and just help us show up and feel our best. And she mentioned dry brushing and she dunks her face in a, a bowl of ice cold water mm-hmm. every morning. And, you know, we both know that that helps with just building resilience. It releases happy chemicals, but I didn't realize like that was why. It does a lot of things. It, it, it's kind of your body is a reset button. Uh-huh. So that's what it's, especially when you do the face dunk, which is not how it people start with initially, because mm-hmm. some people really feel crappy afterwards. Oh, okay. But if people can do it, it works really well because a it, it it's totally stimulates your brain to kind of reset huh. because it goes into panic mode a little bit. It's like, oh my god, what's going on? <laughs> it's a, kind of that shock. Um, but also, yeah, it releases oxytocin. It's going to help reset, help with the mitochondria. It stimulates the vagus nerve, which we were talking about before. It, does your immune system it works on your uh it also works decrease inflammation it's something if you can do it it's great mm-hmm. it's just it's some i mean people are like there's no way in the world i'm doing it but it, if you can do it 
I tried it. Um, I don't think I didn't have enough ice because conveniently, <laughs> I swear it wasn't on purpose. Our our freezer had stopped making ice like two weeks before, so I had a couple of like cocktail, uh, like cocktail glass big cubes that I used, so, but it wasn't like freezing. Yeah, you want it like in the, at least the low fifties, if not in the forties, to really get okay. that effect. Okay. You, you'll know it when it happens. It's 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 okay. it's affects you. It affects you. Okay. You know it. So, okay, so what about the shower? Just have it on as cold as possible? Yeah, optimally, um, for beginners, I tell patients, people to do it for 15 to 30 seconds initially. Optimally, then you want to try to build up to two minutes or so. You, If you can, do either box traditional box breathing, or what I would prefer to patients do is do a one to two breath, or either call it four, six, seven, eight, where you're breathing in for half as long as you're breathing out. So if you're breathing in for four seconds, you wanna breathe out for at least six, if not eight seconds. That helps calm your system down, and also um, will calm your diaphragm and your, again, your makes your nervous system balance out really well. So it's something that, again, you can do two or three times a week, they say as long as you're getting 11 minutes of cold exposure a week, that's good. And just don't do it after a workout, a muscle wor- uh, a workout you're built doing a lot of weight lifting. Because mm. it actually def- uh, will decrease the effect of your weightlifting. You want to uh-huh. do it on a, a cardio day or a day that you're not working out. Okay. And w- should you do it like at the end of your shower, at the beginning of your shower? Um, I tell people mostly at the end of the shower just for convenience. Because mm. usually at that point, you're like, okay, I'm good, I'm done. Um, it's just easier that way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try this out. Uh, so wait, wait, it helps with your immune system as well. People, How do- there's been shown that people, especially you may have heard of uh, people out there may have heard of uh, Wim Hof who does had done all of these really complicated breathing techniques along with the cold immersion. And they found that if you do it the right way, like he's been, inf- he actually infected himself with these, all these weird bacteria. And because he had trained his body so well, he could actually fight things off. So people who do these breathing techniques will at least strengthen their immune system. Doesn't mean you're going to be as powerful as he he was or is, um, but it does work on um, boosting your immune system. Why? Uh, They think it's just, like I think you mentioned, it's it's, part of it is the stress. Mm. It it just kicks the body into a reset where the immune system has to supercharge itself. Um, They think it may be because it does decrease inflammation, which may make the immune system stronger. They're not exactly sure of the why completely. Um, there's still a lot of research going done on why cold is so good. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's gone from like zero to 60, like two or three years ago. I did it at a place here in the city and no, we had no idea what we were doing. They were just laughing at us. And now it's like everybody, so every, yeah, every influencer, <laughs> every person is talking about it. So um, they're still trying to figure out some of the whys. Okay. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know it affected immune system and dry brushing. Why does that help with all of this? I guess. It's just a trauma to the, the area in theory it boosts muscle. Uh, it's local. It's not as much as systemic as the other things are, mm-hmm. but again, it's a nice dip your toe in if you're just not going to be doing, if you're not somebody who's going to exercise five times a week, or you're not somebody who's going to put your head in ice cold water, but it's, okay. a, it's a lowest on the totem pole. It's great locally. It's great for skincare. It's great for that stuff, but also boosts mitochondria a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, and then also I wanted to circle back to, uh, you mentioned zone two exercise that would that be like strength or cardio? It's usually cardio based. It's usually okay. like you're on the elliptical, you're going for a run or I have a lot of, in the, I have a lot of patients who are cyclists and they just kind of go for a, a very lighter, they go for a lighter ride. Um, so any of the above will work. I mean, there are people who sit there and they have, they have the, the gadgets on their arm to figure out where they are. If you want to do that, it's great. Um, I can always help people do that. But it's a simple thing. If you can't, if you can't have a conversation at all because you're breathing too heavy, you're going too hard. Um, you want to get your heart rate. Usually, they say about sixty percent of what your max heart rate is. Okay. For people who know what that is, that's probably the easiest place to start. Um, but it's getting more and more important. Um, and we know it's important in terms of aging, in terms of longevity, in terms of people who are now checking what's called their VO2 max, which is a big part of exercise now. So. It's something that people should be paying attention to. Again, there's people like me who go down the rabbit hole and have all these gadgets placed on to figure exactly what it is, or you can kind of uh, gauge it based on your Whoop or your Apple Watch can do that too a little bit. Okay, cool. Um, I had a couple sleep questions. Sure. So I just was reading, I think this morning actually, that studies show that people with ADHD, which I have, tend to be a lot more focused and productive at night and more like night owls. And I definitely have been struggling with this, especially since 
I, I'm probably not technically still on LA time, but it feels like it. I haven't made myself shift as much. Um, but I, I am so much more focused and honed in and I'll find myself saying I'm going to go to bed at 9.30 or 10 and then it ends up being 12, 12.30 because I'm just like getting so much done and it's like, well, it'd be better to like I'm not, a, I'm much less effective in the morning or efficient in the morning. So like makes sense. But you're saying that's maybe not even for even, I don't know, does ADHD actually make a difference in that But I, or I should, I it, should still shift? The answer is it depends. There's okay. no right answer. Um, there are people, there, the people believe there's three or four different, what they call sleep phenotypes or sleep types in general. So the, there are people who are just night out. My wife is one of them. Okay. She's more productive. She will not get up before 11 if she doesn't have to. And she, but she'll get up at one o'clock in the morning and that's when she focuses in and mm-hmm. her number and her data is good. Like she can, she, everything is great data wise. And that just be the way you are. Some people also do better with ADHD at night because all the stimuli is gone. Their friends aren't texting them mm. or they're not worried about work. And that's the one time they can focus. Um, the other piece may be that's the good part of it. The bad part, there are some people with ADHD where their neurotransmitters, like we talked about before, the chemicals in the brain are just so off that instead of shutting off at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night, they just don't shut off till later. Mm. And that needs to be addressed. So... Most lives, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be some mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things coming out, both tech-wise and supplement-wise, that may help in the near future on that stuff. But right now, if you can use it for your, this for good and not having it affect you, that's great. Um, but it, again, it kind of depends. It's probably some combination of all of the above, usually, with, with patients with ADHD. It depends. There are people like who are elite. They say people are very highly intelligent. Some of them just have, they, that's the only time they, they're that they can focus. And again, everybody's a little bit different, but as long as it's clear, the simple part of it is, if it's unaltered, where you're just in that zone state, that's um, then it's fine. As long as you're not waking up in the morning, you're tired, or you're just not fo- functioning the rest of the day, it's fine. Interesting. Everybody's different. Yeah. I tend to be pretty... And I'm, I'm still figuring you know, all of this out and testing different things, but I feel like, for me, if I go to bed... If I get nine hours of sleep, even if I went to bed late, I'm fine. That's, that makes sense. That can happen. A lot of people can do that. Okay. And that's good. The key is, is again, get your sleep. And if as long as it's the same, similar most of the time, that's fine. And also a lot of t- stuff will happen if you drink alcohol the night before you're going to go to bed later. If you've had caffeine late, same thing. Or people who are the workout at nine o'clock at night, same thing. Oh, So it yeah. really depends. Some of it's lifestyle-based too. Interesting. So you, what would you recommend for... Uh, doing or not doing to set yourself up for having a good night's sleep at night? In a perfect world, which we don't live in, um, optimally, the main things, the main thing we know more and more and more is try to avoid alcohol three hours before you go to bed. And if you know that you're going to be going out to an event that you are going to be drinking and you know you have an issue with sleeping, uh, try to avoid the heavy sugar drinks. Mm-hmm. You do like tequila or gin or vodka, which are, have no real gluten, aren't really sugary drinks. That may help. Um, that's the. I mean, that's number one. Number two is trying to avoid caffeine about eight to ten hours before you're going to go to bed. And then the third thing is that room should be dark and cold. Mm. I mean, sixty-eight degrees, pitch black. Um, and then I love. I've never thought I would use a sleep mask until I was like. I always thought it was like for eighty-year-olds. No offense, eighty-year-olds, but now I love my sleep mask because it just. I just zone everything out. I just. It fixed my, especially if you live in Manhattan where there's lights every, you can't get out of the lights. It's, it works incredibly well. That was actually, it's so funny. I also thought it was just looked funny or it was like, oh, it's an old person thing to like wear a sleep mask. But I had that in one of my podcasts this summer. I started wearing a sleep mask this spring and that paired with also a noise machine that came in later. But the two things have helped me so much with getting mm-hmm. good sleep. It's something insanely simple and it just yeah. w- it works really well. I'm so curious your thoughts on melatonin because I've heard so much on this. I've heard it affects your hormones. I've heard it makes people foggy the next morning. I don't have that often, sometimes, but not all the time. Um, This is where my research nerd comes in. Uh, I'll admit (laughs) that completely. So there's a lot of parts of the answer, um, especially now the way society is. A, I am not a big fan of melatonin for sleep. Mm -hmm. There are very few people that I think it works. There's a lot of other things out there that are going to work better 
um, it's if one time it's fine. Mm -hmm. And they just a study just came out showing that like half the pro at least half the products that say they have melatonin don't, or it's not it's much lower than what it is, or there's fillers in there. So that scared me off to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's part A. Part B would be. It's great where it is great is for people who travel a lot, especially multi-time zones, mm -hmm. like either in New York to LA or I have a lot of patients to go to New York to like London or Dubai. That's where it's great because it helps to maintain your sleep cycle and so you don't get the jet lag. Okay. And then we're also using it now as an antioxidant and other, it's now getting, oh. it's, it has a lot of other benefits. They're using it a lot in, for brain issues, things, A for brain fog, ironically, or coincidentally, I guess. Uh, as well as some as an antioxidant, but at higher dose than we use it for sleep. So we take it actually in the morning, as opposed to at night. Interesting. So, so, so I, I pretty much recommend patients for everything else but sleep. That's so funny. But that's <laughs> kind of again, and that's what luckily where the data is going. Okay. That melatonin is a good thing, but maybe not as for sleep. Wait, so so is it just a placebo effect that people get sleepy thirty minutes to an hour after taking melatonin? It may it may work well for them, but they also may also have brain fog because mm. um, because most people their melatonin production starts in the morning when you wake up and get the morning sun. It's not at night when you're getting your melatonin. It's not the the last part is at night. Um, so it's not placebo. It's just I'm trying to give an example. It's, you're probably taking too much at night. And so, there, again, very few people take oh. it at night. It will help you sleep. So it's actually doing that. But it's probably affecting your sleep cycle, your circadian rhythm, or you may feel a little foggy the next morning. Because people should be taking it earlier because it, it sounds like you're, we start producing it in the morning, you're saying? It's, we know the whole process is related to how initially getting your morning sun. The sunlight in the morning, either real or... Um, some people now actually have sun lamps in their apartments, their homes. Um, and then now the new thing that's come out is actually taking like a, a nighttime walk to stimulate melatonin. So it's a process throughout the day. It's not just all or nothing before you go to bed. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where we are. So it's changed. There are a lot of people who still do it. And, and then some do great with it and some get, they say, I, I do it, but I feel foggy the next morning. Right. I don't, again, I don't recommend it much anymore for that. Um, but the best part of it, again, the best thing, I, the best results I see are patients who do multi-time, like for jet lag. It's incredibly good. Okay. So how does melatonin help with brain fog? It helps because a couple different things. It helps because it's anti-inflammatory, oh. which is, what, again, but it's also an antioxidant. And a lot of the reason that people have brain fog is inflammation in the brain, damage to the mitochondria, which is either inflammation or oxi what's called oxidative stress, which means... Uh, how do I explain it? Simply, my, my cheesy analogy is any process they have done in the, in the body is, will initially produce a little bit of spark, but it's okay. Your body can put the sparks out. But if, if, the, pro, if the, the structure is too off, you get too many sparks, and then it starts to fire, and your body can't put it out. So melatonin will put the fire out for people. That's hmm. a really horrible analogy, but it, it works, um, for me at least. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, and it, so it, it does those different things. Um, it's not the, so that's what it does. Interesting. So I guess I was taking it literally, I was taking one to two, three milligrams every night mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this spring into summer. Um, and I was actually starting to do really well on it. So I don't, do you think it's just because I got, my body got used to it so I, or to that amount, so then I didn't have the brain fog the next morning? It probably did both. It probably, you probably got luck in the sense, A, your body needed it. Mm -hmm. You're probably depleted from either stress or other things probably stressed and yeah. also may have helped because again of the other things that melatonin does again we know it's as i said anti-inflammatory antioxidant so you're probably getting you got lucky and you got both beneficial effects okay because if you said you were taking six milligrams you're taking a way above the sleep dose if you actually look what the fda recommends for sleep it's actually 0 0.5 milligrams oh, and so you were taking like great. 10 times that <laughs> so again you're, you're you're probably getting the other benefits of it and that may have helped your sleep yeah maybe so as opposed to the other way around if that makes any sense you weren't getting, yeah. So that's what we're seeing with pages. We're, again, more and more people are coming out against melatonin for sleep okay. um, and then using other stuff. What about, I'm curious your thoughts on ashwagandha because I took two ashwagandhas because I, I stopped using melatonin because I had like five people in the last month and a half tell me it messes up your hormones. I don't know if that's true or not. I forgot to ask you that. Um, I could make it a long biochemical answer and say yes. It's not usually no. Okay. Okay. So that's probably more hearsay. 
I took two ashwagandha. Uh, it was the, the dose was four of these gummies. I probably shouldn't have been having gummies because that's sugar. But it's um, it said to take four. I took two. And I don't know if it was just maybe the night. Um, I had gotten hit in the head with a trunk from an Uber um, okay. a, f- a few days before that. Okay. <laughs> um, hey. um, but I was like, a couple days later, I was like, I'm just going to get a good night's sleep. Um, I don't want to take melatonin. So I took two ashwagandha. Mm. I had the craziest dreams. I woke up in a stupor. I slept so deeply. D- d- was it the ashwagandha? Was it maybe just the night? <laughs> it's probably a combination of all the above. Ashwagandha can help some people sleep. Okay. It does regulate your cortisol levels. It is anti-inflammatory. Um, it also can, um, whatchamacallit, it also can help testosterone levels, but not in a day or it's not, that's not really what the benefit you're going to get from it. Um, so it probably gave you really deep sleep. Hmm. Um, and the gummy part may have been the part reason we got the weird dreams or could it have been something else related to the night? Uh, That part could be a hundred different things. Okay. (laughs) This is, (laughs) that's that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) there, but yeah. So what would you recommend? I guess that was where I was going to go with that. And that, that was a little fun rabbit hole but like uh, what would you recommend for people who are you know any supplements for sleep so i mean number one is like i said sleep hygiene dark cold room in terms of the supplements i really like um there's really three and a half three or four a magnesium glycinate which anybody or 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 magnesium three and eight which is the ubrim like everybody who listens to Andrew Uberman hears every day. Um, Anositol is really good, especially for females, because it also helps to regulate hormones, mm. especially for women who have any type of abnormal cycles or hormonal issues like acne or um, or hair issues, either huh. too much or too little. Um, a, f- a product called phosphatidylserine, big, long medical word, um, is really great because it works on cortisol levels, which is a big stress hormone, especially for people... Um, cortisol, people who have problems with cortisol and sleep are usually people who get up in the middle of the night. Hmm. It's not the people who have problems falling asleep initially. That's usually other reasons in theory. Um, those are probably the big three that work traditionally well for everybody. Oh, interesting. Okay. I want to, I'm going to chat with you after this about the second one. What was it again? Uh, inositol. Inositol. Okay. Interesting. Uh, wow. This is all so fascinating. Okay. Um, before we get too heavily deep into, or let's not get too deep into the sleep things, but obviously sleep is so important for energy levels. What about for, and these are all things I'm trying to work on usually, but also, you know, being a human, especially in LA, New York, in my line of work where there are events a lot of the time, I, I definitely have some work to do on my exercise. I was really great about it. And then since moving, I don't have the gym that I was going to or the classes. So I need to figure out that. But um, we did an IV drip. We did peptides. What are some things that people who are like busy like me, a million things going on, social, alcohol is involved, you know, at events sometimes. What things can I do to maybe kind of counterbalance some of the, I guess, maybe not as great lifestyle choices sometimes to maybe just give me a a leg up or give them a leg up? Um. Or, I mean, we, we can even go into what, yeah. What no, I'm just trying to, to think. Yeah, the, 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 um, a lot of different combinations there. Um, so, I mean, the main things, I mean, you mentioned peptides before. Um, a couple things, again, in terms of just counteracting the negative, not the negative, the, the, the inflammatory effects. Uh, I mean, a couple of the peptides are really helpful. One called BBC-157, which can help with brain, can help energy, may help boost your workout when you do work out. So that's something that could be very helpful. Uh, trying to think what else. Uh, there's a creatine is probably actually probably one of the simplest things that people can do because it's easy. It's no side effects. It's cheap. It helps produce ATP in the brain, so it helps with the brain fog. And we use it now very simply uh, just for that. And also, if you do get to work out, it's going to amplify your workout. And men and women can use it. Uh, there's rumors out, there, not rumors, myths out there that it causes weight gain, which is not true. Um, so that's something very simple that people can do. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned creatine. I just started taking it the last week, and I definitely felt a bit of a difference from that. Yeah, I mean, the simple carnitine is also something that works for all those things. Um, and then uh, the other thing you could do in terms of supplement would be some NAD that people think that it may decrease the effect of the alcohol the night before. Mm. So, I mean, those are basic things in terms of thing, that. Again, you mentioned and then this goes back to the same things we talk about: sleep hygiene, maximum when you maximize what you got, mm-hmm. be it the workout, 
be it the, the sleep, whatever you can do. If you can do a 10 minute workout, do A, B to C to maximize it. I mean, there's still ways, there's still cheat ways around that if you have to. Yeah. Okay. So wait, peptides, can you explain what they are? Cause they're, they're trending and there's peptides for everything. I mean, there's, you know, uh, the GLP one going around with the Zempic and semiglutide for weight stuff. There's, I know we did, uh, ones for brain fog and brain, or I guess clarity at the event, the energy, I think I did the energy one at mm. the event. Um, but like they're, I feel like they're just trending lately. There's one that I guess isn't the Barbie peptide that makes people tan or something. Yes. Why are they trending? What are they? They're trending. They've been in, we, I've been using them probably for six or seven years with patients. Um, they were kind of on the underground, like a lot of things in this type of area. They started with uh, a lot of times with uh, biohackers and weightlifters mm. and both men and women who are like in pageants and um, in terms of trying to boost muscle, uh, muscle growth. Now they've kind of adopted their way into all general lifestyle. They are a combination of different amino acids, which be, uh, will form proteins. Uh, they can be used in about seven different ways in terms of injections and nose sprays and creams and IVs and uh, what should we call it? And there's uh, suppositories, all these different ways you can administer them depending on what you're using them for. Um, and they can pretty much work on almost any illness you have. They can provide some improvement. If it's a, like a rotator cuff tear, they could be the primary treatment. We've used patients who have hair, like hair loss or some other issues where they're kind of add-ons. Um, and they have a lot of them have very minimal side effects, mm. which is really cool. Um, the th this kind of I always get to ask the question. There's really five main categories of them. There's the anti-inflammatory ones. There are the ones that are going to help you with workout and recovery. You have the vanity ones, like you mentioned, like anything from skin tanning to weight loss to hair growth or hair loss uh, to kind of the brain ones and the gut ones. And then you have kind of like a miscellaneous box that kind of yeah. treats some random things. Um, so again, they, they just have a lot of benefit. The main question for a lot of people is, A, are you okay injecting yourself? Because some people are not. And then the other piece is, they're not cheap, they're not horribly expensive, but they're, it's something you have to understand before you kind of endeavor that, they, that they're not, like, they're not gonna be covered by your prescription plan. Okay, yeah, yeah. These are things to, to almost like supercharged supplements. Exactly. Okay. Cool. And then, uh, and I guess that's, that is the great part. There's still little down, downsides or side effects to them. Very few have downsides. The ones that we watch for are the ones that help lose growth hormone. We want to go slowly with them mm -hmm. just cause you can get, you don't want to get too, hair loss or hair growth or too muscular or too fast. And that, and you actually mentioned the Barbie peptide, that one p people still like, even though it kind of can produce a tan, like, I don't know People out there who know, like, remember the movie, There's Something About Mary? You get this really severe tan. Even It's not controllable. You can't dial it. It's not like, okay, I want the three tan. It's, it could be all or nothing. Oh, you just, oh, so it's very, yeah, It could know. be very mild. Or could, I have patients, <laughs> unfortunately, got a really, really deep tan, and it doesn't go away for months. Oh. Um, so that's kind of the issue. The cosmetic ones are, have probably more side effects than the rest of them, but okay. they pretty much are pretty benign overall. Okay. And then, and then IV drips are, what were, was it peptides that we were just in, getting in me through an IV drip or, or is it different? We were doing, uh, we did mostly, we did methylene blue, which is the mm -hmm. energy for mitochondria. It can also help with mood. Um, and also, I noticed my mood was better the next day. Yeah. We use, um, we don't, we, it definitely has worked for depression and anxiety. Uh, it also helps your mitochondria. Um, we did NAD, which is, again, an energy-boosting pep uh, molecule, not really a peptide. And I think we did BPC at the end. Um, mm -hmm. BPC is, really, again, great for – it's kind of the the easy starting point for almost anybody with peptides because it works on gut health. It works on muscle. It works on the brain health. It helps with your mood. So it does a lot of things with, again, almost no side effects to it except for once in a while people have, like, a – a flushing reaction to it. So it's kind of the most people had most people's entrance to the peptide world. Interesting. Okay. And so what, what is injecting yourself versus the IV drip, which would you say lasts longer or is more effective? Is there a difference? The IV is stronger because we can do a higher dose. It's in okay. your system quicker. It's just for a lot of people, not logistically possible. Yeah. And I mean, unless you're right near the doctor, most people would rather just do that at home and again it's for people who either need a higher dose quickly like quick example i had a patient who had fallen had done a, a tumble in a snowmobile and mm -hmm. broken a couple ribs so they needed a higher dose 
Um, or we do it for people who are needlephobic and don't want to inject themselves. Mm. And then we'll just say, look, okay, we'll just come in every cu couple of weeks and we'll do an IV. Um, so it's definitely stronger. Um, but again, if, if you do the injection, self-injections, most people will get the same, will get benefit, just takes longer. I see. Okay. Ah, interesting. Um, well, it's funny you say needle livers, though, because I, I felt like the, personally, I feel like the IV is much more invasive than the, you know, half a second or maybe three second, you know, poke and, you know, inject with the, the peptide using the needles. It's changed two or three years ago. It probably was that. And now oh. it, for both, I mean, a lot of people now are either doing the Ozempic or the Mondro, the, the GLP-1. So that's they're using. Um, men and women are doing hormone replacement therapy or IVF or any mm -hmm. of the above. So they're injecting themselves with more stuff than the peptides are involved with. Okay. So now it's kind of become second nature. I even have patients come in and they're like, oh, that's my IV. This is the vein. that we're, This is my favorite vein. <laughs> um, wow. and, and, I, and we get it more and more now. So I, it's become, again, there's just so much more available than a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, it's not, most people aren't needle averse anymore. There are some and there's ways around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how long do you would you say the IV drips uh, you should feel the effects for? It depends on what you're doing, obviously. And, uh, sure. But uh, give or take, I've seen anywhere from seven to two, seven days to two weeks is a nice. I mean, I've had patients who felt it for a month to six weeks. Oh wow! So that lasts pretty long. It can. It depends. The way I explain it to people is really how depleted was your bucket. So mm. you're gonna feel much more, much longer if your bucket was really depleted. If we were just topping you off, then. It's only, it'll probably, you probably won't notice it as long. Interesting. Okay. Awesome. Well, this was so educational and informative. I feel like I learned a lot and hopefully everybody else did. And if people want to find you, um, to either just, cause you post a lot of informational things on your Instagram, but if they want to find you, where's the best places? Um, and then also, yeah, I guess, um, I'll link your websites cause you offer peptides and IVs and pretty much all of this. You guys can come to him for pretty much anything <laughs> and I'm sure he'll give you personalized advice, but if you can just, I guess, spell out your Instagram or website or wherever. Definitely. Uh, thanks. So yeah, I mean, we pretty much treat people all over the, the world so we can do it in person or telemedicine. The best ways to find me, as you mentioned, the Instagram tends to be where I post the most information on my social media part. The website, which has all the information, is Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R, spelled out, Paul in my last name, .com. So either way are the best two ways to find me, see any of the information that you want to learn. And I've, amazing, I didn't go to med school for this, but I think I spent half my day now, half my time putting out information, the other time treating patients now. So I try to put a lot of stuff out there because people ask a lot of things. Yeah, you do, you do a great job. I always feel like whenever I watch your stories, I'm like, sometimes it's over my head, but sometimes I'm like, oh, wow, this is so helpful and informative and um cool. glad yeah. to hear it yeah 